Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is the 365 Bible Reading Plan. Today is October the 22nd, and our passage for today is Ephesians chapter 2. Oh my, what a chapter. And you he made alive. Notice that is in italics. That means it is there to help us make sense. It actually comes, that is, this expression later in the verses, but it is put in by the translators in verse 1 so that we can understand the continuity and the flow of the message Paul is giving. And you he made alive who were dead. Someone asked me, what does dead mean in this verse? Dead. That means you are incapacitated. That means you are dead. What did I tell you death meant? You are separated from the life of God himself. You are separated because of your sins. And outside of Jesus, so am I. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses. That is, those things that cause us to fall away, stepping over the line, going past the barriers, getting outside the boundaries. And it's caused us to fall short. Harmartia, that's the word. In which you once walked. We walked in a lifestyle of trespasses and sins. And he said, you once did it. You once walked. Now, it's coming, folks. That is not the life of any child of God is for their habit of life to be disobedience, in which you once walked according to the course and the direction of this world, according to the prince and authority of the air. That is the spirit of Satan who now walks in the sons of disobedience, that is, doing what they want to do, walking in a lifestyle of not believing, among whom also we all once conducted our lives, ourselves, our course in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as every other lost person. Now look what he said. We once conducted ourselves according to the lust of the flesh. Now the word lust can either be good or bad. The Bible says the Spirit of God lusts after us. What does that mean? It is a strong desire. That's how it probably should be translated because lust seems like it always gets caught up in the bad side. And in this case, it is lust of the flesh. What does that mean? Epi, which is a preposition. It's an intensifier. It means above, upon, really, upon. And then thumos, which is transliterated thymos, which is the word for wrath, anger. It's the word for heat, passion. And so what he says is lust is epi, thumos, heat, 
upon heat, heat that is intensified, heat as in passion. It's the word that's used, for instance, in secular terminology for a dog panting. <laughs> that is lust when you are so desirous that your tongue's sticking out and you are breathing hard, and that identifies lust. You are obsessed with it. We used to walk that way. And we were fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, whatever we could conjure up. We were by nature the children of wrath. But God, in his rich mercy, because of his great agapao, his agape, his love for us, in which he's loved us, with which he's loved us, because he has loved us, God demonstrated, God showed his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, shaking our fist in rebellion against God, no matter what he had done good to us, we shook our fist in the face of God. We were dead to him. We were separated from him. We did not have God's life in us, but he made us alive together with Christ. For by grace we have been saved. We didn't bring ourselves to life. That's a supernatural act of God. We were dead in trespasses and sin. But God has raised us up to sit together with the Lord Jesus in the heavenlies. And for this reason, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. And then you have these verses that we memorize in Sunday school and Bible school, and we quote Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. What's that? Well, they say faith, yes. They say saved, yes. They say grace, yes. Which is it? Yes. The grace is not from us. The salvation is not from us. Our faith is not from us. Grace is a gift. Salvation is a gift. Faith is a gift that God gives us. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And if we could do something, we would boast. Now, often I hear people say, well, you know, I hear about people receiving Jesus, and that just irks me. You see, some of us are more spiritual, we think, than God. God uses that terminology, so we're allowed to use it. You say, well, now, where does it say that we are to receive Christ? Where is it that it says we are to receive Jesus? Well, I could give you a couple, but just let me give you one that you can write down. John, the Gospel of John, who I think was pretty close to Jesus, he leaned on his bosom the night of the Passover. He was the one that was still with him in the house and courtyard of Caiaphas, not denying him. He was the one that was at the foot of the cross that Jesus looked down and said, John, I love you so much. I trust you so much. You're such a beloved person to me. I'm going to give the care of my mother to you. Now, I want to tell you, somebody's got to know somebody pretty intimately for that to happen. And so here is what John says. He says, Jesus made everything. It's John chapter 1. He is God Almighty, and he made everything, and he came into his own, and his own rejected him. But the word, the phrases did not receive him. 
but he says, to as many as received him. Yeah, there's the word, lambano. To as many as received him, to them gave he the right, the privilege, the power, the prerogative to become the children of God, even to those who trust in his name. Now, folks, this is big. God has come, but we must receive him. God has come with the gift of salvation, but we've got to take it in. How do you do that? Through repentance and trust. How do you do it? By prayer. All of that is simultaneous. We've got this mindset that it's one, two, three, and that's degradation, or that is some kind of order. There is no order where one is more important than the other. It's all done. We turn from our sins. We turn to God. We place our trust in Jesus' finished work. We believe what he's done. We receive the gift of God. We receive Jesus into our lives. All of that is the means whereby we become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. Now, the word is not weos, which is the word for mature sons or son. That's used in John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten weos, his son, his adult son. Yes, that's right. He came as a babe, but he died as a man. And he gave his one-of-a-kind son, his monogenes son, his only gene son, his unique son. Well, how did all that come about? John 1, again, verse 14, this great Logos, this great God, this creative being who created everything and not one thing was created without him. He came into his own and his own received him not, but as many as received him to them gave he the right to become the technia, the born ones, the born ones, the little babies, the children who are born into a family. And this birth did not come by the will of man or the will of, or by blood, by DNA, human DNA. Why? Because verse 14 says that this word, this creative being became flesh. Incarnate is the Latin term. He became flesh became a man. He dwelled among us. He tabernacled among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the monogenes, as the mono only, genes, genes, gene, one of a kind gene, son. We beheld his glory. And then he goes on to say that John was not Jesus. He was not Messiah, but he came to give witness of the Messiah. And then verse 18 of John 1 says, Now no man has seen God in his essence. No man has seen God at any time. You say, wait a minute. No, you wait a minute. God is spirit, and God has to manifest himself because you cannot see spirit. Yes, he appeared to Moses. Yes, he appeared to Abraham. Yes, he appeared. But that was a manifestation. You cannot see spirit. It's the pre-incarnate Christ. It's the visuality of who Jesus is. This is what John 1.18 says, no man has seen God at any time. And the reason is, is what Jesus said in John chapter 3 and John chapter 4, where he told the Samaritan woman, God is spirit. And if you worship him, you must worship him in spirit. And our spirit has to be made alive. No man has seen God at any time, John 1.18, but the monogenes from the Father, who is in the bosom of the Father, who is God has declared him to us. The Greek word is exegete. He's explained him 
to us. If you want to know what God is like, look at the person of Jesus. He's the explanation of who God is. Years ago, there were these, what would Jesus do, bracelets and bumper stickers and all of these kinds of things. To some degree, that was some kind of subjective silliness. Oh, I know right now some of you are fuming that said that because you thought it was so spiritual. Let me tell you something. If you want to know what Jesus would do, read the Bible. Don't come up, well, I think Jesus would have. It doesn't matter what you think. Well, you know, the Jesus I serve, well, the Jesus you serve better be the Jesus of the Bible or you are serving a false God, a false Messiah. You see, the Bible is how we know what Jesus is like, not what you feel, not what is your subjective, intuitive reasonings, which is corrupt to the core about who God is. You'll always go astray if that's what you're thinking. No, we've got to have the Jesus that is presented in the Bible. And this is what Paul said to the Galatians. He said, though I or an angel come and preach any other Jesus than has been preached unto you, let him be anathema, let him be accursed. Those are pretty strong words from a man of God. You see, we're living in a culture when everybody wants the Jesus of their own making. They want a Jesus that fits into their lifestyle. They want a Jesus, and and I hear this all the time, well, I just don't think Jesus would... It doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter what the greatest man of God in the world thinks. It matters what the Bible says and what it teaches because it is the only absolute authority that we have. It is the only inerrant, and I mean that in the truest sense of the word. It has no error, and it's infallible. It will not lead you astray. It is authoritative. That means it is the final authority. And so Paul said, by grace, you have been saved by faith, and that is a gift of God. It's not from your own origin. It is not from your own being. It is a gift of God. So receive it as many as received him. To them gave you the right, the authority, the power, the prerogative to become the children of God, the technia, the born ones of God, even to those that trust in his name. Now, verse 10, we stop at verse 9, not of works lest any man should boast. But the paragraph doesn't end till verse 10. You mean there's something after receiving the grace of God? Yes, we walk in it. For we are his workmanship. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for, ah, purpose, for, a purpose clause. We are created in Christ Jesus to lay around. Created in Christ Jesus to do our own thing. Created in Christ Jesus to just have a fire escape from hell. Created in Christ Jesus to go to church on Sunday and live like the devil the rest of the No, no, no. For we are his workmanship. This is part of the work of God in our lives the moment we're saved. We're created in Christ Jesus for the purpose of good works which God has prepared beforehand. He's pre-programmer. He has pre-set. He has pre-programmed us that we should walk in them. In what? In good works. You see, God saves us to be good. That's right, to obey. God saves us. He lets us know him so we can walk with him and walk in obedience with him. Why? Why? 
Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. You see, those hymns are really not out of style yet. For On the Way, this is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at TonyCrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at TonyCrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.